it's kind of nice for me to be able to look back on all those other rejection letters from books that are now published and say, you know what? You have a good product here. It's going to happen. It's purely a timing thing. It's purely, I need to continue to work on it. There are holes in it. There's ways it could be better. And just knowing that it's not, you know, it ain't over yet, you know? And I think that's really nice because my gosh, we're in an industry with a lot of rejection and uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta find ways to, you know, uh, look on the, look on the bright side, if you will. You ever hear the term Midwest nice, meaning uh, people from the Midwest are, are just nicer, more polite? I think it's true. And I, I think that uh, Tad Carpenter uh, sort of proves that to me uh, in, this, in this chat with him. Uh, Tad is based in Kansas City, Missouri, and he's just you know, a great designer, illustrator, children's book author. We talk about all of that and uh, barbecue and how Hallmark cards uh, – being in Kansas City was a big influence on his career in a variety of ways. Um, he draws a sun every Sunday in a different style. Uh, there's just a lot to uh, a lot to learn from Tad and, and the way he's doing things in the Midwest there. Uh, so it's a great, great conversation with him. This episode is brought to you by Wix.com. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours with Wix. We'll be talking about Wix more in this episode. Let's go chat with Tad Carpenter. I had a, I had this is like too, super random. I had a dream that I was doing a podcast once, interview with somebody, and um, I have no idea why, but I just did this like incredibly stereotypical French artist accent the entire time when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> this was a dream. This, this is a dream. a dream, and like it made no. It was like my dreams. Normally, I, I always am je- so jealous of people that have like literal dreams where they're like, I had this epiphany <laughs> in my sleep that I was gonna do this. My dreams are like you know me riding a banana down a sand dune, and I'm like, what in <laughs> God's name did that mean? And literally, I had a dream once that I was doing an interview. I don't know if it was a podcast or just an interview, but like it was this over the top like. Ho, 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 ho. I am an artiste, you know, like this very like whatever voice. And I remember waking up and being like, what in the world was that? Like, why did I even like, I, it's, it's, fa- I mean, dreams and like our subconscious fascinates me, but I'm just like, why? Oh, yeah. I wonder oh, yeah. why that day, that night I had this weird little dream of like, um, I'm sure there's somebody that's like, you know, uh, deep in psychology that could like probably rip that apart. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I always think about that. You know, we could we could make this a reality, though, Ted. <laughs> we could we could actually finish. We could do the re- the whole interview with, with that so voice, Dan, which telling, I think <laughs> you're think telling me dreams. Up. You make dreams come true here I, that's what, on this that's podcast. What we try to, that's what we try to do here at Overtime. <laughs> just make dreams come true, even if that means you know a fake French accent, obnoxious or, accents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, well, speak. So, so you're not from France, though. I, I am not, unfortunately. Okay. I, well, no, I'm fortunately. I'm from a. Um, I, I'm from the wonderful state of Missouri. I. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I am born, bred, and will be buried in the great city of Kansas City. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised here, right in the heart of the Midwest, and um, uh, I actually really 
um, I really, really love the place I get to call home. And uh, yeah, for a lot awesome. of reasons, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love, um, I, I, I especially like talking with folks that are in uh, cities that aren't New York or San Francisco or, you know, sort <laughs> right? of, because there's so much talent in those areas and it's sort of, you know, uh, but, I, but I love to get perspective from people that are, that are outside that and that find their own communities, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like you've done that in, in Kansas city for sure. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, to me, it was an, it was a really easy thing because Kansas city and, it, and it's like, I mean, it's a lot of these midsize cities, you know, probably that, um, you know, uh, people just kind of, not all people, but a lot of people might just, you know, not even think of them or consider them in, in um, being, you know, a really creative place or a really progressive place or, you know, whatever. And Kansas City is historically always been an incredibly creative city and incredibly yeah. supportive of the arts and uh, people that are making their living living um in a creative fashion in some way and, mm-hmm. and uh, kansas city's creative community is is so so unbelievably strong you know i mean if you're just speaking specifically to graphic design it's like you know kansas city which is you know i think you know um pop, you know from a metropolitan area it's probably like a top 30 city in america i would say probably yeah. somewhere in that range but yeah. like from uh from a graphic design standpoint i want to say it's like the seventh or eighth largest aiga chapter in the country wow um, is right? incredibly active in that way um and a lot of that has to do with um i mean there's a lot of a lot of reasons but i think one of the specific reasons is hallmark greeting cards is world headquartered here in kansas city and and they hire designers and artists ah. and creative people from all over the world to move here yeah, yeah so, i didn't realize that that's yeah. where they're based yeah and now you there's a there's a story there too with um your 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 dad right worked for yeah yeah so i yeah my my father steve carpenter um got hired at hallmark greeting cards in 1975 and it was his only job he and he finally retired um at the end of in december of 2016 so he's about a year and a half into retirement right now after almost 42 years of being at home oh my goodness wow i know it's crazy right so my my entire childhood um was really spent in the halls of Hallmark greeting cards. And, um, <laughs> it, awesome. I mean, uh, all of my babysitters, um, were either stylists or photographers or cartoonists or designers or, you know, whatever from Hallmark, I feel yeah. like, um, wow, this I, is all in Kansas city and this is all in Kansas city, Missouri. Yeah, this, absolutely. This is fascinating. It's, it's no really, idea. really, it's really cool. You know, it's like, um, uh, I got to meet some, I got to meet some of the coolest people from, because of my father. Um, mm. I got to meet and become very close friends, um, with, uh, Paul Coker, who Paul Coker is one of the original cartoonists, um, with uh, mad magazine back in the day. Oh no way! Um, yeah, oh, and, uh, and people would rec- if you Google Paul Coker and his work, you would recognize him for several things. You'd recognize him for his cartoons that he did in Mad Magazine back in the day, but you'd also also recognize him as um, if everybody remembers all those amazing Christmas um, claymation movies that you know the the Rudolph one and the you know that that oh used yeah to year, yeah the, you know? like the Rankin Bass stuff yes the Rankin Bass that's exactly it he used oh. to do a ton of work for them and he was the one that did a lot of the character design specifically if you remember the abominable snowman 
um, oh, Paul, yeah, Paul designed designed him uh, <laughs> among like countless other things. And and my father was a huge Mad Magazine fan as a, as a child in the 1950s and very much was in love with Paul Coker's work and Al Jaffe and a bunch of these like classic yeah, original right. cartoonists. So my dad started hiring them when he was a creative director at Hallmark to start doing greeting cards. And we, they all just kind of became friends. And in, strangely, Paul Coker actually grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, which is about 40 miles west of Kansas City. So Paul and my dad became very close. And Paul would send me original artwork. And I would always talk to Paul about how I loved to draw. And um, it was just amazing to have this community growing up that not only encouraged creativity, but almost, almost demanded it. <laughs> you know, everybody <laughs> in my life was creative in some way. And God, that was so unbelievably inspiring to be around oh, to all these people making just, just making things for a living, like putting their hearts out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know to me still to that day, I think, um, those are the people I gravitate when I walk into a room are those <laughs> people that, you know, are, are actually making things and, 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 yeah. and throwing them out there. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. I totally agree. That, that that sounds like an amazing, uh, environment to, to grow up in and get inspired by, uh, sort of a fearless, fearless creativity probably. Right. It was my, I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of kids out there that or a lot of people, you know, that, you know, Oh, me and my dad, we would work on old cars together or we would, you know, uh, you know, whatever. And then me and me and my dad, our, our connection and our bond has always been art and design. And mm-hmm. you know, we would, we would draw together, you know, at, at night we would sit around and draw. And, uh, my father's an amazing That's illustrator awesome. and cartoonist. And he had a nationally syndicated comic strip for years and years with King features in New York. And, wow. uh, I got to watch him do a comic strip for years. Um, he always kind of refers it to, uh, his prison sentence there for a while. Um, I don't, <laughs> think, he, I don't think he loved the experience of doing a comic strip every single day. Yeah, uh, it's a grind. I, right? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Man. Like, he tells me stories about it and I'm just like, I, there's no way I could, <laughs> you know, conceptualize and draw an ink and get it to yeah. the, the client every single day. And every day. Like, oh my gosh. You know? And I, um, so it's just that work ethic that he had. Cause he was, you know, he was, at, he was at Hallmark nine to five every day and, um, mm. you know, and he was doing all this other stuff and that, I think that work ethic, um, very much rubbed off on me. And he's a, he's a small town Kansas boy. He grew up in, in, uh, Southeast Kansas and all my family's from a small town in Southeast Kansas. And, hmm. and there's very much this kind of Midwest roll up your sleeves attitude, yeah. um, yeah. that I think is very much ingrained in, um, my family and myself for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, there's a, what is it, Midwest is nice or or something right. is, that, is, that, is that is that a is that am i getting that right i can't remember I, 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 it sounds good to me man <laughs> or midwest I nice i guess yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. a certain a certain type of uh which is true at any, oh, any totally. i haven't been to kansas city but i've been to you know other omaha and, and yeah a couple other places and and mid, midwest i don't know everyone does seem nice and oh it is roll up your sleeves and kind of um yeah. there's a certain i don't know i think there's a certain humbleness too to um creative folks in the mid I don't, maybe that's i mean that in a good way i i mean uh, oh i agree i, I yeah. think there is and yeah. it's something um i mean to me i've always recognized i mean there's a lot of things but it's like i something i've always recognized is that you know um talent only really gets you so far and everybody's talented yeah. you know um mm-hmm. so it's it's 
um, gosh, it's like you really, really should never think of yourself any any differently, you know. And uh, yeah. and I'm maybe it's the creative part in me. I think as creatives, we're maybe not everybody. I can just say this about me and and, and other people that, that I talk to about this on occasion. But it's like I I feel like I'm constantly chasing something. And I'm chasing something that I know I'm never going to catch. And mm. to me, that keeps me very humble because it's half the, or gosh, 99% of the time, I hate everything I ever make. And if I make one thing I like after I look at it for 15 minutes, I freaking hate it, you know? So it's like, uh, it's this <laughs> constant chase of like, oh man, I can't wait till I make that thing that I just absolutely fall in love with. But that's never going to happen mm. because I know how I'm making things. And that judges my, you know, that clouds my judgment a little bit on on the aesthetical value of it, I feel like. So, you know, well, what are you going to do? It's, you know, it's funny. I, I totally relate to that in a big way, but at the same time, I'm here. I'm listening to you say that, and then at the same time, I've got a lot of your work up here in front of me, and I'm like, how, how can he say that? This is like, this is amazing stuff, and um, you know, I, I'd be in love with any any of these things. So it's funny. The, the more the more people you know, I talk to on the show and whatever uh, have, have very similar feelings and and there, there's sort of that imposter syndrome that creeps in or um oh, man. just not not being i don't know if satisfy is the right word but but um i i think that correct me if i'm wrong for, for me it, it's always been a driving force in trying to get better every day and and uh it sort of keeps me going rather than and resting, resting no, and saying that. Dan, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because it's yeah. like, to me, it's one of those things that's like, uh, maybe if a designer or somebody got to a point where they're like, oh my God, everything I crap out is just gold. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, then you get to a point like, well, why the hell are you doing this anymore? Right, you know, right, it's like, right. you're not getting any better. You're not exploring right. new avenues. You're not, you know, it's like, it's like, after all, this is our profession and this is our career, but it's, it's also like our practice, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's true definition of a practice is you're, you are literally practicing to get better and, and grow and, um, yeah, I would hope I, 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 I know I'll never have that feeling. I have the exact opposite feeling most of the time of like, oh my God, what am I going to do to die? I don't know how I'm going to ever get this done. But yeah, like, you know, um, that must fuel, that must fuel like the work. Right. And then we, we get I to see, so. we get to see like the popcorn trail of, of that. And Totally. Uh, and it's also like in, in the culture and the world we live in and, and, you know, it's like all of us out there and all creative people in, in some way. Right. They, they, for the most part, they, they post a, they post the beauty shots, right? You know, mm-hmm, they post mm-hmm. the, the perfect stuff, right? Um, yeah. There's uh, for every one perfect thing that's posted, there's uh, 97 artboards of absolute garbage laying there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I, at least I can speak for myself. You know, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh absolutely. my gosh, you know, absolutely. Um, that's part of the that's part of the process. I think is. And I kind of like self curation. Right? It is, man. It's uh, a yeah. it's the baseball metaphor. You know, it's like you know, you're uh, you know, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame baseball player is a guy that hits, you know, let's let's say three hundred. You know, well that that means seventy percent of the time the dude is straight up failing at his job. Seventy percent of the time that dude is garbage, man. <laughs> There's as designers, we are baseball players, man. Seventy percent of the time, we are garbage. Absolutely, at least I'm probably I'm probably more of like a one ninety seven hitter or something, you know. But like, uh, it's it's absolutely the truth. When you you are forced to create and make and do all these things, just the 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 numbers of it aren't going to add it up, you know. But in the end, all you need is one, right? All you need is that mm-hmm. one that one great idea out of all the things you make. So, uh, yeah. 
I think that's beautiful. I've never heard that analogy before and it's perfect. Uh, and I think, you know, being a, being a clutch, uh, a clutch hitter is, is the, the goal and successful design probably. Seriously. You know? Maybe that's what we all are. You know, these clients yeah. are, you know, calling us in at the bottom of the ninth to like uh, <laughs> try to get a hit, you know, and, right. uh, you know, here, here we are, hopefully, you know, I, th- we'll I think through. so. <laughs> I think like, you know, well, I would say you're very clutch because I, um, I want, you know, there's some, some stuff I want to talk about your, your work, specific projects and things. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier, uh, your dad doing a comic strip and every day and, 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 um, you were saying, ah, oh, I could never do that. But it's funny because one of your projects I wanted to mention is, is the Sunday suns, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool, which I, I, I didn't know about till recently. So I'm, I'm looking through them all and I'm, um, so it's a, it, the idea is it's a new uh, an illustration of a sun every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I wonder if you tell us about it. Yeah, no, it yeah. Is. Uh, <laughs> but it's been, been doing this for a long time, and this is like yeah. some dedication to this. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt like when I came up with the idea that it's like I, I've seen I see people doing all kinds of passion projects where they're like, God, for a hundred straight days I'm gonna you know whatever. I'm like, bullshit. There's no way I could do that. Man. Like you know, every <laughs> yeah. day it's yeah. like between you know dealing with client work and like um, just just all the kinds of things we got going on in our lives. That's gonna be really hard. But I was always like. I could once a week seems like a very achievable goal for me. And to me, the way I look at it, it, for me, play is so unbelievably important in my work and Mm -hmm. the value of play. And again, like piggybacking off what we were talking about, I think a lot of that comes from the people I was around and my growth as a kid being around my dad and his artist friends that all were working at Hallmark greeting cards and think of Hallmark greeting cards, what you want. I've never worked for them. I don't care, but like, um, it's at their heart of their business. Um, man, they have some of the best creative minds and illustrators and artists that really, um, you know, really value play. For me, a a huge part of what I do is, is, you know, really try to remind myself how lucky we are to do this. And, and I love, I mean, I I feel like I never feel more alive sometimes, but this is the saddest thing I've ever said when I'm actually creating something. Um, Mm. I, I, I feel, I don't know, there's, there's a feeling I get from that, that, that is, that is something I wish I could bottle up. And, um, and that's kind of what it is, 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 is me getting to, to make and play for myself and not for a client, not for a specific deadline even really, but let me just kind of make things for myself and, um, and just explore new styles, explore new mediums. And at Mm -hmm. the bottom line, it's, it's what it is, is it ends up being practice also for me. And, um, I I think we forget to practice, you know, our craft, um, you know, or we think we can just show up. I swear to you, this is the last sports analogy I'm going to make, but you know, it's like <laughs> we just show up at the ballpark and grab the bat and like, think we're going to crank one out, you know? Right, um, right, but right. there's, you have to constantly practice and, and get your skills better and try new things. And for me, it's been, it's been, a, I mean, that's really how it started. I would say is, is me trying to find an outlet to do yeah. those things. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask like what the, the inspiration to, to start it was. Yeah, like I, I mean, it, it really was me trying to find a way to to kind of make something for myself and purely yeah. explore and do things for myself. But as things went on, um, I start seeing different needs and different like kind of avenues on how this project is starting to come into people's lives in some way, potentially, you know, and it's, it's just a fun thing that I, that I do. But at the, the bottom line, what I, what I hope is that 
you know, through that work, um, it, it kind of, it kind of brings, you know, kind of shines a, for lack of a better term, you know, a little, little ray of light on their life that day, they see that thing or that mm-hmm. object that when it comes into their life. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that as designers, I mean, the bottom line, if you really cut through all the crap, like with design is we're here to better the human experience. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like bottom line, yes, navigation and communication and like all these things, but at its core design is here to better the human experience. Mm. And to me, I would hope, or I hope that these little, little exploratory things that I get to make and have fun doing, you know, can, can, can free people from any concerns they might have that day or just make them, um, you know, have shit, have a little smile, you know, um, that's what you hope your work, um, could potentially do. Um, and I just have a blast, blast doing them. I never thought in a million years I'd be, you know, on 160, whatever, you know, 173 years and counting, you know, I'm sure my wife is like, are you bummed at this crap yet? You know, like what is going on? Man, we got clients we got to take care of. You know? so, um, I love it. It's like a, like a very um, disciplined way of making sure you do something for yourself uh, every once in a while. That's exactly what it is. Uh-huh. And to me, it's became, to be frank, it's been, um, it's become very therapeutic for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I bet. I bet. It, it is. I, I literally do them every Sunday. I I get up before the sun rises, every you know, pretty much every Sunday, and I can come to my little space. It's quiet. There's nobody around, and um, it does. It's become incredibly therapeutic and part of my kind of weekly routine. And um, I really value that time every week of getting to just kind of do this and have fun. And, you know, after, you know, sometimes we all have bad weeks or hard weeks or busy weeks. I feel like I'm in the middle of one right now. (laughs) And like, it's, it's so, it's such a like jolt of energy and such a like, you know, it, it makes me feel so great going into Monday after I got to do something for myself. Um, and you know, some of them are great. A lot of them suck, you know, and that's okay. Um, they work and they're fun and they, they serve another purpose for me. And, um, I don't know, that's cool. Uh, it's awesome. I I would say none of them suck, but, um, (laughs) they're just so fun. I think that's, that's an an important thing to mention too, is that the play aspect you mentioned, but cause I think a lot of your work and even not just this, this project, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, even the, the client work you've done and that there's a certain playfulness in, in that too, which I just, I certainly gravitate, gravitate towards, um, as well. So I also wanted to mention, you know, we, we, we talked about the Midwest before in your mm-hmm. upbringing, cause there's another project called made in the middle that, you've, that you've, that you're involved in. And I wonder if you could just tell us about that because yeah, of course, um, it's it's kind of it, it, in a way sort of celebrating uh, Midwest design, right? That's I mean I think that's it in a nutshell. Um, you know, it's it was years and years ago. Um, you know, it's like I, I mean that's one of the things I love about our industry is like I've been lucky enough to be invited a few places to come speak and you know go to conferences and you know whatnot. And I love doing that. I love meeting new people and seeing people's environments and you know, just being able to, you know, conversate in person about, about the thing that we all love, which is design. And, um, and, uh, it's funny for, for the longest time I would meet people and they would think I lived in San Francisco or New York, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I was always like, man, damn, I'm from Kansas city and people need to know that, 
yeah. there's some amazing stuff going on, not just Kansas City, but the whole Midwest region in, in general. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, years and years ago, I, I, my wife and I created Made in the Middle, and we, we have little features and interviews on, on people um, doing all kinds of different really cool creative things. And it was a natural transition into um, – to create this conference, which is made in the middle, and it's it is it's celebrating um, design in the Midwest, and uh, awesome. it's uh, we bring people, um, everybody who speaks or gives a workshop has a connection to the Midwest in some way. You know, either either they were you know raised here or from here or still live in the Midwest in some way. Um, our uh, next conference is September fourteenth and fifteenth. Um, oh, good! It's coming up then. Excellent. Coming up, yeah, we're about a month away, and. Um, you know, we have amazing speakers from, you know, people like the the AIJ medalist Steve Frycombe, which was Herman Miller's first ever in-house graphic designer. Wow. Um, he's, he's like, I, I, remember, I mean, and I'm going to totally, I, I, we've met before and I really, really admire him. And I, as a kid, um, I remember being in college and falling in love with his picnic poster series, which mm. I think are just some of the greatest poster design that, that we've ever, we've ever had. And, uh, wow. uh I, I can't wait to have someone like him that's has such an amazing knowledge of this industry, um, be there. And then, you know, people that are my peers that I just admire the hell out of, you know, people like, you know, Dana Tadamachi and Andy Miller yeah. and, you know, Mina Markham and like just some amazing, amazing people, you know, uh, Don Hancock from Firebelly up in Chicago. And, um, we have, a, we have Amber Goodman, which is a, um, amazing, um, letter and illustrator from Hallmark, who's one of their lead, real lead creatives there. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it'll, it'll be, a, it'll be an amazing time. And it, it's one of those things that I, um, I, I thrive and love the community that we all get to create and be a part of. And this is just hopefully one way to heighten that. And, um, we also brought on AIGA Kansas city, um, as a partner of it because, you know, I, I really want them to benefit from it. And I want the, um, you know, the, the funds that come out of the conference to, to benefit our local chapter. And so they can continue to do great things for our community. And, um, that's, you know, my way of hopefully trying to help our community even more is like starting something like this and then giving it, you know, uh, to them to, to benefit from, to hopefully give back to, you know, the design community in the Midwest. Wow. Oh, that's so, so awesome that you're doing that. Uh, it's, it's great. I want to go. <laughs> Dude, please come, oh come hang out, oh man. Yeah. Looks, this looks like a blast. Um, and I'm just, I'm learning so much about, uh, you know, Kansas city, uh, Hallmark there. There's like, it, it, there is a lot going on over there. Uh, there, it's there not, is. it's no From wonder. Music and, yeah. and art yeah. and design. And I promise the visit, you know, the, uh, tourist, you know, industry at Kansas city is not paying me to, to, to get on a soapbox on your, on your, on your podcast here. You know, we, no, can, no, we, it's all good. we can transition <laughs> off of my love of Kansas city real quick. Uh, we haven't even mentioned maybe the best thing about Kansas city. Oh, what, what uh, barbecue. Damn right. Damn right. The best barbecue on the planet. So, uh, my God, if you love to eat, boy, this is, this is the spot for you. We don't got mountains and beautiful <laughs> oceans and shit. We got amazing, amazing barbecue all over the place. So, so that's, that is a, that is a great benefit for sure. Oh, oh it is. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> I, I, I would go just for that alone. Hey, so now I'm sold. Yeah, me and some uh, buddies started a barbecue tour where we would we would uh we tried to do it every quarter. We're a little we're a little late at the moment, but we did a thing where we pick four barbecue restaurants on a Saturday and we pick one type of 
um, one type of fair, if you will. Normally we do ribs. We call it the rib tickle tour. And uh, what it is, is we, uh, we pick four barbecue restaurants and we go to each one and order a slab of ribs for the group. Oh, and, wow. and fries too you got to have fries you know but like uh um you, we only <laughs> eat ribs that day at all four of them and i you know of course i designed like a scorecard on all, all these very specific you know things that, that one must judge and so we really can go around and the, the, the goal is to eventually try ribs at every barbecue joint in kansas city <laughs> have a really clear cut answer on who has the best best ribs and um you know that that's gonna be a lifelong thing i think <laughs> it's a worthy goal Oh, it is. I, I, and also, ribs are – that's the specialty there, right? In, in uh, Well, I don't know. You know, it's um, – no, definitely we do. The thing that Kansas City specifically is known for as far as barbecue is concerned is Kansas City is who um, – really perfected what uh burnt ends are if you're Ooh, familiar oh with yeah i'm well, a big fan of those yeah yeah so yeah. so people that might not know a burnt in is essentially when you make the brisket or whatnot you chop off the ends of it and it's those wonderful juicy crispy kind of kind of ends of yeah. it and um and so kansas city's really i mean burnt ends is what they're known for um specifically kansas city which which makes it different from the other three types of barbecue is Kansas City is uh, has a sweeter, more thick molassesy sauce almost. Mm, yeah. um, so it's a sweeter sauce versus you know compared to like the Carolinas, which is more vinegar, or Texas, which is dry rub stuff like that. So yes. um, yeah, it's 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 my my flavor of choice. But uh, <laughs> of, yeah, course, yeah. of course, of course, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I kind of want to do an episode just about barbecue now. Um, Dude, we can do that. I'll yeah. come on. Maybe we should get you know somebody from Memphis, somebody from Texas, yes. talk about all their garbage barbecue, yeah. and then I can come in here and really tell. No, I'm kidding. There's I've had good barbecue everywhere, but you know, yeah. um, yeah. they're super. Each each has their own sort of style, oh, which is nice. Absolutely. And, uh, I haven't yeah. I haven't been to you know again. I haven't been to Kansas City, so I got to go for that because I oh, love yeah. it. Much. Yeah, my favorite is Joe's. Joe's in the gas station. There's my favorite is is, is Joe's, which is a run out of the back of the gas station. I'm a firm believer in the shittier the location, the better barbecue most of the time. <laughs> so um, that's that's a thing to do. But yeah, I've had good barbecue ever. I mean, like Austin, Texas, I've had some of the best barbecue yeah. I've ever had in my life. You yeah, know? yeah, likewise, uh, likewise. Oh Speaking gosh, of brisket, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Beef, beef all day in, in yeah. Austin. So yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's it's yeah, it's all over the place. But yeah, I think I think you'd really dig it for sure up here. Absolutely, I'm coming. This week's episode is brought to you by Wix.com. With Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank slate and design your website in any layout you want. Work with advanced features like retina-ready image galleries, custom font sets, and sophisticated design effects. Each feature is intuitive to use, so you're in control from design to live. With Wix, you'll have real creative freedom to tell your story online, exactly the way you've envisioned it. Push the limits of design and start creating beautiful, impactful websites that are uniquely yours. Go to Wix.com slash dribble to get started today. That's W-I-X dot com slash dribble. Wix, what will you create? You know, to, to transition a little bit, I, I mean, I want to talk about Bart. Now I'm hungry, too. Um, but uh, to transition a little bit, like, in terms of what you're up to now, like, you've got um, Carpenter Collective, right? Uh, which yep. is your studio, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, you, I mean... The client list is insane. I'm not even going to list them. I mean, <laughs> he has worked with 
with pretty much everybody that's out there. But also, you you have you've done a lot of illustration for for children's books, which I, I find fascinating too, because I, I just love that I love that style of illustration and the stuff I grew up on and little yellow books and all that stuff. I wonder if you could tell us about that. How do you got into that? And does that did that come before client work or after client? I mean, I, it's client work, but before other illustration work or right. You know, how did that, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's from a timing standpoint, I don't I don't quite remember. I, I think I, I definitely think I was doing client work prior to starting to do some picture books and mm. and just work in publishing. It's always been something that I really, really wanted to do and was really passionate about was picture books. And for me, um, I mean, I think about it all the time that like, you know, what is like every one of us listening to this podcast or every one of us, period, what was your first experience with what art was? Like just straight up, yeah. like your first time you ever interacted with art. Hmm. Probably it was in the pages of a picture book. Yeah, and sure, absolutely. That's a really powerful thing. And um, I know as a, as a dumb kid from Kansas, you know, um, I didn't excel in math and science and you know all these other things i can bullshit my way through them pretty nicely but like i was not good at those things and to me um reading picture books and reading um you know graphic novels and things of that nature were always the place that i felt most comfortable and i love storytelling um again it it goes back to me and my father's uh, relationship. We would read a lot together and read books together. And he would show me a lot of, you know, kind of his favorite picture books when he was younger. And those kind of mid-century illustrators as that 1950s, 60s, you know, um, kind of era illustrators, which were my dad's heroes very quickly became mm. my heroes. And I think that that also kind of um, probably uh, really explains a lot of the reasons probably why I use color the way I do or shape the way I do um, is there's always a little bit of that, like, um, you know, that kind of 1950s, 60s era illustration that's always going to be locked in my brain a little bit because yeah. of me and my dad's experiences. Yeah, and, such an influence, right? Oh, my gosh, man. And so it's like, to me, it, um, it, it really, really started to dictate me wanting to tell my own stories and create my own kind of uh, um, stories that I could share with other people and hopefully, you know, future designers and, and get people excited about um, the value of design and, and the value of literature and um, how important reading is. And um, that's something that I continue to do and will continue to do, uh, you know, written and illustrated a lot of books and I love it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I feel like after I complete any book, I say that's the last one I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. And then it, then it shows up in the mail and I cry and I get so excited yeah. and I'm like, Oh shit, bring it on. I can't wait to start another, start one. another one. Oh yeah. And, uh, um, <laughs> it's such a labor of love and something you have to do because you truly love to do it because it's so much work. Um, but it doesn't feel like work. It's just, it's, it's, so rewarding and fun. So, um, yeah, I, I can, I continue to, to work on books. I actually just talked to a publisher today about a new project we're going to kick off, which is super exciting and, um, and as lovely and joyful and like inspiring as they are today, you know, the publishing world is a constant kick in my, kick in my crotch, if you will. (laughs) Also, (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I have in a box I keep at my, at my, in my office at my house, I have a box with all the rejection letters I get all the time. Oh, wow. 
um, oh, which are now rejection emails, but I literally like print them out and like keep them in this box. Um, wow. Because it's just, you want to so, keep those. I want to keep those wow. like it. Um, even like some of my most successful books that I love, like um, were rejected 10 times before oh, they were ever actually acquired. Right. And to me, it's almost a healthy reminder mm-hmm. that, uh, I mean, for example, like there's a book I've written right now that, I think it's probably the best one I've ever done. Mm. That's not saying much. Hear me out on that point. But no, no, still, no. Like, I, yeah. I think it's one of the better, like, uh, uh, better stories and more interesting kind of reads that I've, that now, I've had a chance to do. Is, is that out now? Or, or? And no, it has been rejected oh, okay. at least 15 oh, times. Oh, oh like, I see, I see. I yeah, literally yeah, right. can't get a publisher to publish it right <laughs> now. Oh, jeez. And um, I think there's a lot of factors in, in, in why that is, but... Um, it's kind of nice for me to be able to look back on all those other rejection letters from books that are now published and yeah, say, you yeah. know what, it's, you have a good product here. It's going to happen. It's purely a timing thing. It's purely, a, I need to continue to work on it. There are holes in it. There's ways it could be better. And just knowing that it's not, you know, uh, it ain't over yet, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's really nice because my gosh, uh, we're in an industry with a lot of rejection and, uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta find ways to, you know, uh, uh, look on the, look on the bright side, if you will, refer back to those, those sons, if you will. But, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. for sure it's, uh, it's how, how, uh, this is amazing. I was just looking through your, all the children's books you've, you've done and some of them, some of them you've written in mm-hmm. illustrated and then some of them you've, you've illustrated with, with an author, but it, it's incredible. Um, how, you know, I, I'm sure it's people. Some people listening are are prospective uh, uh, children's books, children's book illustrators. How, what, what's a what? How do you? What would you suggest to them <laughs> in terms of getting into that world? Because it seems like you've worked with a lot of different publishers and had a lot of success. At least getting getting a lot of these published, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I wish I was an expert in that in that field, but I can all I can share, you know, is obviously how I how I kind of started working in that industry. You know, yeah, and, that'd um, be great. And so it's 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 for me. It was. Um, I knew I really, really liked that, that type of work and I had no idea. I had no connections in that industry. I was like, how in the world do people get into children's books? And this is really lame and probably dumb, you know, as far as a, a, a way to break in. But like, I literally went to Barnes and Noble. I literally went to the children's book section and yeah. started looking at books that were reflective of the type of work that I want to do, you know? Mm. Like, oh, like I love Jay Outer Seabold and I love Lane Smith and I love, you know, all these kind of, you know, um, illustrators from, you know, let's call it the, you know, early 2000s or late 90s that I was like really, really, um, really, mm. really inspired by, which I think a lot of people listening probably were. And, um, yeah. and I started to look at their books and in every book, <laughs> it says who the publisher is, uh, who the editor was. <laughs> Yeah. What publishing house? I literally <laughs> just started taking notes and I was like, boom, okay, that's somebody, that's somebody, that's somebody. And um, I literally just started kind of trying to share my work with those people and getting work in front of them. And um, it took a long time. I, I didn't, I didn't do a book for, for quite a while. And um, I'll, uh, 
you know, it, it, it eventually, you know, their project started opening up and they would start inquiring about things and, um, it kind of snowballed from there. And I just tried to make connections because it's, it's so lame. It's such like a dad answer, but it's like our industry is a industry of relationships. So it's like building those relationships, um, is, is what you try to do, you know, and continue to foster mm-hmm. those relationships. There's an art, there's a couple art directors and editors in the industry, in the publishing industry that I've been working for and with collaborating with for probably like eight or nine years now, you know, in some regard. Um, and that's awesome mm, that you yeah. continue to do that together. You never know too. I, I know this, I've had this experience where I've worked with a client at a certain company and then a couple of years goes by and you, that went well. And, and someone calls you and they're, they're at a completely different brand and it's a different project, but they, you know, they want to work with you again. So oh my gosh, it always pays right. to, yeah, it always pays to, to, to do your best and, and be nice and, and, you know, try to be a good person. Oh yeah. Have you always designed digitally or is it, or analog or is it sort of a mixture? Not that we're looking to, to have you share secrets or anything, but, um, Oh Yeah. I wish I had some. I don't. I don't. And <laughs> bumbling idiot on the, you know, trying to design stuff. I wish I had like some secret, secret thing I could I could hide that that made yeah. everything work. But you know, I'm I, yeah. I'm definitely a. I would I would say a mixture. Um, yeah. We're my myself and my studio very much um, start out with everything as pencil and paper. I, yeah. yeah. I I can't think of very many things that I've ever made that I didn't sketch first in some regard. It's, um, I don't know, it's just a lot easier for me to, to think with a pencil in my hand and like concepting and sketching ideas. And, um, I try to bring that into our work, um, at the studio and, and, um, with, um, my wife, my partner, Jessica, um, as well as designers working for us. Um, really emphasize sketching and drawing it's such an easy way to generate ideas quickly and uh it's a great thing then to as a as a team look at those ideas and and quickly decide what is successful what is not what are you envisioning you know um versus gosh the second you hop onto the computer you're trying to perfect something and that's not what we're about at that stage in the project we're about quick ideas you know um, more ideas, bigger ideas, faster ideas, more of them, you know, it's a, it's a quantity, not a quality thing at that point. So, um, yeah, so we, we, we do a lot of things with, with just with a lot of drawing and then even some projects and a lot of those projects that those more analog based drawings come into the computer and, and we actually use those in some way, um, which, you know, we really like to do. And, um, but then there's other projects that, you know, obviously eventually in the end are, are purely digital. Um, the backbone of everything we do and the majority of the work we do is, um, brand identity based. Right. So a lot right. of the brand identities we build end up, you know, obviously logo systems and, and, and visual systems that are, are in, in their nature digital. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just had a thought when you're, you're talking about that and, like in the um, interface design world, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably where I'm more familiar historically. But, you know, r- right now, I think there's an interesting time going on with tools. And there's just, it seems like there's a new tool every week right. um, to, to sort of get websites built and sort of the visual side of that. And, uh, but, you know, for illustration, is, 
is that true for illustration too? I'm going to say probably not, but like the tools that the digital tools that, that you use, have they changed a lot over, over the years or, um, you know, yeah, I would say, I mean, I would say yes, the the digital tools have changed, but it's funny the way I use them hasn't really, if that makes any sense, you know, it's like, uh, I, I'm also probably not a good adapter of new things, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> ask my wife, you know, it's like, I, I'm kind of like, Hey, I've always done it this way. Yeah. This is probably how I'm always going to do it now. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. now that's, all, you know, I, yeah, you know, it's like, we're kind of a, I'm a creature of habit a little bit, but like, yeah, yeah very much so though. I, I, I try to start to bring in some of the new tools and, you know, it's, uh, uh you know, it's, I feel like I'm the last man on earth that still is, um, is, is not using, you know, a Wacom or a stylus or, you know, uh, you know, anything like that. And like, I'm a straight up, straight up mouse man, you know, like, uh, I, I, that's, that's the way I learned, you know, years and years ago. And that's the kind of way I've continued to do it. I even have one. I've just never taken it out of the box. You know, it's (laughs) like, uh, it's old as hell, but it's like a client, like 10 years ago, a client, like at the end of the year bought, bought us one. And I was so excited and I just never, it was like, yeah, it was totally nice. It was also kind of like a junkie, like, you know, uh, staples version of, you know, a Wacom, you know what I mean? But, but, but I was like, Oh, this would be perfect to learn on, you know? And, um, I just never found that like window of when I'm like, Oh, I have a couple da- days of downtime. I'm just gonna, you know, like play. Ugh, that's a stupid excuse, but you know what I mean. But like, I, I do, um, I do. Though. Oh, it's do. so hard. But um, it, it's something that I want. That's a goal for myself is to try to bring some of these new tools and technologies more into into our work. And and we do like I know um, we create a lot of like custom brushes in Adobe Illustrator, and we create a mm. lot of you know oh, yeah. custom kind of. Um, design elements that are proprietary to us um, while we're designing. And, and uh, that's something that yeah. hasn't always been around, you know, in, in the system. So um, there are definitely ways that, that, that we utilize that stuff. Mm. Yeah. It, it's there's, I'm, I'm with you on the creature of habit kind of uh, angle and, and it's hard. It's hard to, to, it's hard to find the time to, learn new things when you're when you're busy doing you know stuff that you that you know and you fall back on yeah so uh, you know what's so what's happening with your carpenter collective uh now that's probably taking up most of your time other than children's books and all the different Mm -hmm. other projects you're doing um how did that come to be and 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 how long how long you've been doing doing things that way yeah my I, I mean, I guess technically I started my studio when I went out on my own and it was just me. And I did that in 2008, 2009, I guess I would say. And for nearly six or seven years, it was really just me. More than that, more than seven years, actually. It was just me for the most part, which is, is true and kind of a lie because I, I married... I think one of the one of the best designers, definitely the best designers I've ever worked with, which is my wife Jessica Carpenter, and uh, mm. she was an art director at uh, Willoughby Design, which is a really really successful um, branding studio, and it's actually the oldest woman ran design studio in the entire com- country, actually. Oh wow! Which is amazing. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, Ann Willoughby, who's a AIJ medalist, also and a really dear friend, and my wife was an art director for her for for nearly ten years, and. Mm. We always had the goal of 
of partnering, but she had a great gig and um, it just, the timing was never right. And uh, about three years ago, um, the timing, it, things had just gotten a little too much, too much work, too much going on. And uh, my wife and I then officially partnered, you know, about three years ago. And um, we've now run the studio um, together completely 50, 50. And um, it's amazing. I love being able to, design with the person I enjoy being around the most every single day and getting to, to make and create things together. And, um, we always have collaborated very well together and, uh, uh, it's, it's amazing to be able to do that. I'm just very, very fortunate to have that in our lives. And, um, yeah, like the backbone and, and really the majority of the work we do is create brand experiences and create brand identities for really amazing clients, you know, from yeah. a lot of hosp- I feel like a lot of things fall under the kind of the hospitality realm, you know, from restaurants and experience spaces to food and beverage and restaurants like that. I feel mm-hmm. like kind of is the arena we live in a lot and um the arena I actually like to live in. Um, I, I yeah. really love restaurants, food, beverage, that kind of thing because yeah. most often there's the mo- most touch points that we get to get in there and really kind of dig around with and um uh that's that's super super fun yeah i bet and there's like in the in those industries there's there's always a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of turnover but there's there's a lot of new ventures right that need right identity systems from the get-go and yeah you know you hope you can get in with those um you know early on it's always it's always kind of a bummer when you get the email from the person that's you know oh well we already have kind of like a logo that we love and this one other thing that we've we've got from somebody, but we love your help with some of the rest of the stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's totally something we could do, but <laughs> it's just not as, you know, it's just not, I don't know if that's the greatest fit. So, um, yeah, you absolutely want to try to get in, you know, when they're, you know, uh, in the, in the baby infancy of that, of that right. project and that idea. And we've had some gnarly ones over the years, as far as like how those work. And then sometimes you've had ones that are just unbelievably seamless. You get in there and you start, um, designing everything right from the get go and it launches and everything's perfect. Or, you know, we have, we have one project that I'm not kidding. We, we did the brand identity for it. Um, boy, I'm trying to think how many years ago now it's probably been close to three and a half, four years ago. And they've still not hit the market yet to this. Day. Oh, wow. wow. And I'm like, I'm like, I love the identity. I love the packaging system we developed for them mm. and Hulk, the concept i'm really really happy with the concept and i'm just like come on guys let's get this it's it's agonizing just purely yeah. from a like i'm excited to get it get it rolling and it's yeah. I, I can't imagine how they feel though you know yeah um, right just, you know it's just the funny the nature of our industry of how uh, how you know projects sometimes can go you know it's a lot of times it's out of your hands you can do what you can contribute but my gosh there's so many other forces that are involved um, oh I, yeah totally true uh, and, and a lot of stuff so, some things won't see the light of day unfortunately right that's that's the real bummer you're absolutely right you know it's like gosh we all have you know graveyards of stuff you know and mm-hmm. um that you're like oh man you know it's <laughs> what am I going to do with this? I I guess I'll post it on Dribble. You know, uh, <laughs> there you go. Hey, I like that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Tad, yeah. I didn't I didn't pay you for that today. No. <laughs> so I I have a, a final question for you, and that is, okay. uh, what's your favorite children's book? 
that, that um, you haven't that you haven't uh, created yourself. <laughs> oh, they're definitely not mine. Um, well, I I feel like it's a cop out answer a little bit. No, no, but, no, no, no uh, cop out answer. All right, when I was. I want to say I was like five years old, five, maybe four. I don't know, somewhere in that range. Um, my dad um, picked me up from school early one day and said, hey, there's there's somebody in town I think you need to meet. Um, I think you'll be really excited to meet this guy, and we're going to go meet him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And there was an author in Kansas City. He was just visiting Kansas City um, doing a book tour and it wasn't the release of the book, but the book at the time was being turned into a play Mm. and he was just going around the country promoting the play. The book had already been out for years and years. Well, um, I, I didn't know who we were going to see him when we showed up and I, I, I kind of fanboyed as a four year old. Right. But, um, (laughs) I showed up and it was, um, Maurice Sindak, the author of where the wild things Oh, wow. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. My dad was like, you really need, I think you're really, I think you'll really like this. And I showed up and, um, I got, you know, I got my, um, where the wild things book out. And I remember I bought a, um, he had a, a a wild thing, um, plush toy, like a stuffed animal, you know? And, um, Reese Sindek signed one foot, um, to Tad. And then on the other foot, it says, love Maurice Sindak. Wow. And, uh, and oh I still goodness. have that sitting in my office to this day. Wow. I think I'll have it the rest of my life, you know? Um, I just remember that day and that feeling of like standing in front of this man that I was just hmm. like, you created this world that I, I go to. <laughs> You know, and I imagine and I lay in my room pretending the walls are turning to, to trees and vines and forests from yeah. this from this world you created and being so unbelievably inspired by this guy and uh, getting to meet him. So for me, it's always going to be hard for our book to um, to probably inspire me more than than that book that Marie Sindak wrote, Where the Wild Things Are, you know, um, wow. pretty, pretty special book for sure. What a story. And I. I Folks at home, I did not know that that was going to be the answer. Uh, I'm really glad I, <laughs> glad I asked the question, though, because <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, you know, and that and that's what a classic book and oh my amazing, gosh, right? amazing illustration style. Oh, the king, uh, man! That dude's yeah. the that dude's the he's tops, man, in my eyes. That dude is so profound, he really is, so yeah. interesting, and. Um, uh, I wish my dad would have been been on top of his game enough to have me get my picture taken with him though. Ooh. Literally what happens is we got the otter. I got this plush toy signed by him and then you move like five feet to the the right of him right. or whatever, course, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's like a giant, like 10 foot tall wild thing that you stand in front of and get your picture taken <laughs> in front of that. So I literally have my picture with the plush toy. Oh, no way. Oh, you on, have a standing yeah. on a log in front of a 10 foot tall wild thing. Wow. But like Maurice Sindek is literally like four feet to my right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> off, off, you know, off camera. And I'm like, Oh man, I wish I would have had a picture with him too. Oh. You know? <laughs> what a memory. Oh my gosh. It is. It's I mean, a great memory. I, I, and also what a cool dad. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, my dad. Uh, yeah. He's great. Talking about ins- ins- inspiring, and he, obviously he planted a lot of seeds for you in, in terms of. Uh, oh man, you know, yeah, now it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was I'm super lucky to have a, have a dad that we we have a lot in common, and we 
we get along really well and we have a shared passion and um, um, it's, it's super cool, cool to have that. And it was cool that, you know, early on he, he was like, well, I like these kind of things. So guess what? You might like them too. And uh, worked out. It could have been the exact opposite because I know kids that are like, no, I hate everything. My parents like it's the worst. Or my dad could have been like super into like, you know, you know, algorithms or something. I don't know, something <laughs> weird. I'm like, this is freaking boring as hell, man. I don't give shit about algorithms. You know, I don't know. Right, you know, so right, it's like, so right. it's like, I'm glad uh, he was into something um, that, that in the end I was also into. You know, yeah, the plants align there. You, you guys have a shared. I love <laughs> it. Al- algorithms. That, that's a. Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, no offense to anybody out there that's in love with with you know numbers or algorithms or accounting or anything like that. Just uh, not my uh, not, your, not, your not my cup of tea, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That is super cool, uh, Tad. Thank you so much for being on here. Uh, I, I like I said earlier, I think we could go on and do other episodes about barbecue and probably a lot of other things as well. Uh, so there's so much to talk about, but I, I really, uh, really appreciate you being on because uh, we're big fans. So. Oh my gosh, man! I can't thank you enough. Like I, I was telling you at the jump, you know, it's uh, I, I, I appreciate you guys even even thinking of me for something like this, let alone giving me a ring tonight and uh, and all of us kind of sitting down and having a fun conversation. And uh, thank you guys for the platform that you guys uh, give everybody too. And uh, uh, it's been awesome just hanging out and chatting tonight. Yeah. Well. Awesome. Thank you, man. And, and keep up uh, keep up the awesome work. We're going to be following it for sure. Thank you. Awesome, man. This has been Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cedarholm. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again. Thanks again.